From his start at the IBM data center to becoming the CIO of Rubrik, Avon Prey has had quite the journey in the tech world. Prior to joining the young team at Rubrik, Avon cut his teeth at VMware for more than eight years, rising to the role of vice president of IT and business IT. He moved to Rubrik in 2018 and has been diving headfirst into creating and using the technology that makes it possible to work across multiple clouds. In this episode, he and Ian discuss the many roles Avon has had in the past, how data delivery and software has transformed over the years, the future of the cloud, and the excitement surrounding AI. This podcast is sponsored by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And across from me in studio in sunny Palo Alto, Avon, what's going on? Finally sunny here today. I know, right? It's been been crazy. I mean, everyone else is probably like, the, it's like five degrees where we live. But uh, yeah, it's great day and a great day to talk about all things IT. So you have a really interesting background and... You're the CIO rubric. We're going to get into all that. But first, how'd you get into IT? So um, it's actually really interesting. I came here to US in 1995, and it just so happened that my first job was IBM when they were moving to client server actually from mainframe. And I ended up in, in their data center running you know, Lotus Note servers and things like that. And then I did my master's in computer science and I moved over from operations into IT development and you know, ended up in a, in a company that was basically converting over in those days, going through a true digital transformation of taking documents and converting them as online delivery. The original, digi- that's the real digital transformation. You want to talk about from analog to digital, right? For 1996, right? And it was really interesting concept at time so this, this insurance company was basically funded by multiple insurance companies and they provided the data based on which policy prices were, were created. And they in 1990s figured out that the best way to deliver the information they were, they were collecting was through online. And I was kind of part of the, the team that was building that system that was delivering all this data that was sitting in hard documents and delivering through online content. And that was kind of my foray into IT development. I grew up from there, ended up working for HP, then landed in Deloitte. I did consulting for about five years or so. And then I ran sales and marketing IT for an asset management firm, went to a company called VMware. Pretty sure you know people know about that. I left VMware uh, about eight months ago, and I came in as CIO of Rubrik. So that's kind of, in a summary, my journey. So I've been pretty blessed to to go through go through this route, and I've had some amazing experiences, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go forward. Yeah, and you ran like a pretty big team at VMware, right? I did run a very big team, and I was responsible for all the business technology. So essentially, delivering capabilities for all the functional areas, sales, marketing, finance, and delivering all the applications and the capabilities they needed to run their business. So we had a pretty sizable team, which was globally distributed across here, India, Europe, 
Asia Pack, and um, you know, for basically a 24 by 7 job. So as you switched to CIO rubric, what was that kind of like? And what was the exciting thing about taking on this role? So I was, I was at VMware for about eight years, actually more than eight years. And what I got an opportunity to do at VMware was actually quite amazing, right? So I you know, worked on some really good business critical initiatives and business transformation initiatives. So as a company, you know, we were basically transforming on the way we deliver software, the way we sell software. So I had an opportunity to work very closely with the executives and, you know, do some amazing things there. And when the opportunity from Rubrik came about, my initial kind of, you know, response was not to go from such a, you know, important and really interesting role to a, a much smaller company who's in, in the forming years. But as I went through the interview process and I met the leadership team at Rubrik, you know, the CEO and the founders and CFO and, and others, it became really clear to me that what I've been doing for a number of years would be very, very relevant to what I could do at Rubrik. And so that, then I decided to switch over and, and come to Rubrik. And it's been, it's been one heck of a journey for the last eight months. Yeah, do you think, I mean, do you think that that jump to startup world is something that, you know, other like IT leaders should be kind of scared of, or is it kind of, you know, a little justified in in that, uh, in the hesitancy? Because it seems like you found a really good fit. Yeah. So, so two things, right? So let's talk about what was the, the relevance. So what I was doing at VMware and the business model of VMware is very relevant to what we do at Rubrik. So kind of conversations, kind of hard problems, which I was solving at VMware were, were exactly the same, what we're trying to do at Rubrik in just slightly different scale, right? And also one of the big advantage I have is operating in a company like VMware, which has, you know, 20,000 plus employees and yeah. almost $9 billion in revenue. And when I joined VMware, the revenue was $2.9 billion, right? So I had an opportunity to go from, 2.9 billion to eight and a half billion dollars, right? So I saw things when you operate at scale, the issues you run into. So the opportunity I have at Rubrik is to do things right. And we, when we are much smaller, and I'm actually seeing that already that we're starting to see some of the results out of my lessons learned from from work I did at VMware. Yeah, you know, I think it was episode two of IT Visionaries when we interviewed Alvina Antar, the CIO Azora, but she was saying that that was one of the biggest things that the thing that she saw was that startups need to hire a CIO earlier because a lot of people were waiting until like, you know, IPO or, or, or like much later stages, like prep for IPO. And folks were just not, there was so much infrastructure, so much technical debt on the infrastructure side that they're like, you're just walking into an absolute hornet's nest. Oh, I completely agree. And, and this is one of the things I would definitely credit rubric executive team to recognize early on was to make sure that we set the foundation right. And I've seen that firsthand in, in many of the companies and I've been getting calls for interviews and companies have already gone public and you know they've got uh, infrastructure which is completely mess and a half at this point and yeah. they need someone who can come in and clean this up and you know and they don't want to put any money in but we want to make sure that somehow the company can continue to grow and we can go clean the infrastructure. But I think at Rubrik, you know, I was fortunate enough that that I got involved at an early stage and we are doing some really great 
great things on how we are setting the infrastructure and architecture uh, across the board so that we can scale the company to billion dollar plus. And so, you know, one of your jobs is to build an infrastructure that can support a company with a billion in revenue. Like, how do you go about doing that? Like, what are the, what's the thought process that, that you go through? So what happened here when, when I was hired in, so one of the advantages I've had is that I've had an opportunity to set some of the basics from, from scratch here. So, so first initiative is to set the business architecture basically out of the box without any you know customizations, how your code to cash and your uh, procure to pay and all these basic processes that are being set up are in a way that we can scale. Right. Yeah. So we just, you know, went live with our CPQ process, enabled all our sales folks to be able to uh, take new orders in a different way and enable a different business model. We were able to accomplish that in three and a half months and we rolled out the whole program. It has been a great success in the field. Right. So basically, how do we really make sure that we keep the systems simple? How do we really, you know, set the business process right? How do we get enablement done properly? And how do we make sure that what we're doing is going to scale for a billion dollar plus? That's kind of the one of the big areas, right? Yeah. The second kind of big thing we've, we've been able to do is that we've set the data strategy for the company, right? And and I've seen this happening in many places where you, know, you would end up with multiple data stores and total proliferations. You don't have one view of the data across company. And then you, you, know, you have multiple groups reporting on numbers which are completely different from each other. And then you try to scramble these multi-million dollar programs implementing data warehouses which never go anywhere. So one of the things we've been able to do at Rubric you know, coming right off the bat is, you know, set up this whole data strategy where we are bringing all the product, customer, and business intelligence data in one place and making sure that we're giving 360-degree view of business intelligence and product and customer intelligence to our executives from, from one place. So I have this whole data and analytics organization that's basically already starting to produce some really useful business comparative information for, for our execs. The third area is infrastructure. So part of my job, not only I run all the corp infrastructure, but I also have all the engineering and sales labs infrastructure as part of my organization. So we've been we've been looking across the board on how do we really bring all the infrastructure in before us coming in, there was a little bit of a sprawl and everybody buying whatever they wanted to buy. Long story short, one of the big things which we've been trying to do and we've been, we're getting fairly successful in there is how do we bring uh, standardization of infrastructure across the company, start to really have a good accounting of what we are buying and what's the good reason for buying more gear. You know, we also are starting to look at automation. So how do we, we really start to get better leverage of infrastructure we already got? rather than you know buying every time we have a need buy a new piece of hardware you know can you get more utilization of what you've got and for that you need to produce all the all the reporting and all the monitoring etc so that's all good how do you really take your compute network storage all the resources and start to automate how do you generate a vm so that you can basically you know run your workload on it so interesting concepts and and there's been a lot of value we've seen in bringing all this infrastructure together in one place and then fourth big area is, of course, the security for the company. Of right? course, and yeah. we've got a, 
a lot of effort going on across product security, across information security, bringing everything together. We, you know, we have a CISO organization that's part of my team. We are aggressively building that. We're going through certifications and, you know, making sure that not only we are supporting what we need to do internally, but also our customers are asking for a lot of what we're doing with security. So there's, there's tons of stuff going on. So, you know, kind of these four big areas, you know, across the board, aligning that for the company and making sure that that we're running as part of IT organization. That's that's the way we are making sure that we are making company successful and it can scale to billion dollar plus as we go. How much time did it take you when you first came in to just like go and listen and look and talk to employees? Like who did you talk to? Were you talking to all the business different business leaders and just like how long did that process take to just like start unraveling all of the different loose threads? It's it's actually a good question. So my original intention was that I wanted to come in and just listen to what's going on for for a couple of quarters, at least at least a quarter. I did not make any big moves for I would say about forty five days, and then you know we had a big procure to pay project, and we had to take a call on you know should we do something tactical and get it out, or should we do something that's a little bit more strategic that's going to take us. Across billion dollar mark, and I basically had to step in and look at the data and really take a call on on what we want to do. And then in the meantime, I was hiring my team. So you know, I brought some really good people in in our organization, and we had first leader on board. So I started in rubric, I would say, uh, July 9th. I had the first leader by middle of August. Uh, the second person started in first week of September, and we're building as as we go. So. To answer your question, I think that, you know, I would say about 30 days would be good honeymoon period. Yeah. (laughs) So and Rubrik's flagship product is its cloud data manager. How much do you work with the product team? How much do you work with customers versus how much you work like purely internal in the company? Yeah. So my team supports all the infrastructure on which product development happens. So I work very, very closely with engineering. I also work fairly closely with customers, with sales, and also the product teams as well. But, you know, if you look at it, my primary job is to support all those four processes I just talked about earlier. So it's, it's, you know, internally focused work. So I would say from percentages wise, it's tough to kind of break out because, you know, I would say 80% or so would be around internal, about, but I, I'm sure that as we go forward, there's going to be a lot more demand from, you know, speaking with customers directly and doing some work over there. You know, obviously cloud data management is expanding rapidly. What are some of those advancements that like you're really excited about or, you know, how it's going to make working in the cloud easier, or more efficient or anything like that? Yeah, see, I think to to look at cloud data management and advancements and why is it very popular, why are companies getting a lot of traction in the marketplace, you have to take a step back and look at what's going on outside in the infrastructure world, right? With the whole advent of infrastructure as a service and the multi-cloud architectures, every company I'm aware of has some sort of a hybrid you know, they're living in a hybrid world, right? Yeah. They've got in, in our world, right? So we've got four data centers we manage internally, but we are also customers of every single 
public cloud that's yeah. out there, right? And we do development here. We have products that support multiple, you know, our workloads in different public clouds. So long story short, the, the world's becoming this multi-cloud, hybrid cloud world. And what CDM, what Rubrik has really offered is a product that truly works across these multiple cloud. It's kind of, you know, really, uh, you know, unique product in a way that that lets you manage or protect your data across applications running across multiple clouds. And the way I'm looking at this is, and this is one of the reasons I I joined Rubrik, and I, I feel that this is the way words can head, is if you are going to be living in this multi-cloud multi, multi world, you're going to be building applications that span across multi-cloud world, you are going to need a product that can help you protect and manage across multi-cloud world. So that's that's where I'm very excited about CDM, and I think where it's heading is, is going to be where the industry in general and infrastructure and IT space in general is heading. So what is rubric on rubric? This is something that you've written about, and I, and I think it's pretty interesting. How did you... How did you all come up with this this kind of idea? Yeah, so this is not a unique thing, right? So what I've seen is in in most of these tech companies, you know, generally IT organizations end up being, you know, the guinea pigs for lack of better word, or yeah. customer zeros for for their own products. So what we do internally is that again we have, you know, for all our applications development, for all our engineering work any infrastructure we run internally and on cloud, we use Rubrik to protect all our data. Yeah. And that's kind of, uh, you know, our Rubrik on Rubrik. And then what we've been doing with that is getting all the lessons learned and, you know, case studies and, you know, basically all our scars we are getting in running Rubrik in this hyper growth environment and this, you know, this kind of data, we are sharing with the customers. And that's really what Rubrik on Rubrik is all about. You know, again, it's about best practices, you know, working with sales and making sure that we get our story out there. How do you think that, you know, taking those kind of lessons learned, what do you think, like taking those, some of those lessons learned, what are some of the kind of practical insights or things that you've seen recently that would be really relevant insights for for IT leaders and CIOs? Yeah, I think, where I was uh, starting to go with, with, right? So we are, what we're starting to see is that, you know, you're, you're going through application transformation, you know, there's a lot of work around enabling the cloud and you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out how do you really go into, you know, enable the cloud in your environment. And we are finding is that for us, we've had issues where, you would run into you know issues internal to your your data center, and we had to make a switch and really get something going on a on a public cloud so that we can continue to move forward with our development process. And you know for some of that type of stuff, you know you know we've been able to use our own internal product to make that happen. So what that does is it gives us great capabilities to build this you know multi cloud enablement across a true kind of cloud hybridity, for lack of better word, and we've been using... Is that, know, is that an official term? Cloud I hybridity? Up, I, guess. I like it. That's pretty good. <laughs> right. But it basically what it does is, you know, we've been leveraging Rubrik for, for some of this really interesting piece of work that was really difficult to do in in past. Other interesting aspect on, you know, Rubrik on Rubrik, and this is, again, this is a little bit of a unique situation, but I'm sure that a lot of companies who are in this 
mode of doing rapid development and you know building features etc so so we have a way that we support our developers they have each of them have development environments on which they build and we use rubric to back up all those development environments what that does is that it allows developers to go really fast and not worry about making mistakes because if something happens, then we are able to restore it from uh, rubric fairly quickly. And actually, we are at a point where we also, you know, enabled the APIs mm-hmm. uh, because rubric, you know, if you look at it, one of the one of the best thing that the product has, and from the architecture perspective, is that everything is API driven. So we are even at a point where we have given the APIs and enabled developers to do self-service and you know use your backup and restore et cetera, you know by themselves without really putting an IT ticket. So that's really uh, kind of you know some of the amazing things we've been able to do, which basically makes developers go really fast and, and build fast. So what does innovation look like at Rubrik? Yeah, so you know, if you look at us, right, we are we are a Silicon Valley company formed about five years ago. Four founders, you know, really, you know, coming from a very strong tech background. And looking at that whole industry of backup and basically coming up with a product which basically revol- revolutionized the way you manage your data and protect your data, innovations in our blood, right? So there's a lot of good stuff going on. You know, we are Generally, you know, with the product we've got already, what we're doing is we're bringing, you know, every time there's an interesting use case from customer standpoint, we are very quickly able to figure out how to solve that problem, get together behind it. And also, if you see that some of the interesting things we did, one of our products won both VMware Best of Shows for here in Barcelona in 2018. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, there, there is a lot of good innovation and entrepreneurial spirit going on in Rubrik with all the good things. Yeah. And for all of our listeners who don't know, I mean, the, the founding team, you know, came from or had experience at companies uh, like Google, Facebook, Oracle, obviously, uh, also coming from from Lightspeed Ventures and with backed from companies from venture capitalists like Lightspeed, Greylock, Kosla, and all of that. I mean, I think that there is, it is definitely a a Silicon Valley kind of story there. But I think that the other thing that's so interesting is people talk about the transparency, the culture, you know, and as you came in as as the first CIO, I'm sure that you came into something that said like, hey, this is, you know, everything, this is how everything is working. And looking around and saying, well, where do these other pockets of innovation come from? Specifically, where can like IT innovation come from? Switching gears to this application development topic. We've talked about application development a bunch on IT Visionaries, and you you worked a ton on this in previous roles. What are some of the, I mean, I guess kind of what's your what's your thought on like where application development is right now in the industry and, and how it's how it's evolving? Yeah. So again, you know, my background, I grew up as a developer, right? I, I told you earlier that I was the web developer that basically took documents online yeah. 20 years ago, right? Original digital transformation. But if you if you look at, you know, we've evolved significantly over last few years. I'm going to give some examples, right? So we built an application, a big application in my previous job. And we thought it was actually a really ultra modern application with the best architecture, with model view controller and all that happiness, right? And 
within six years, that architecture became obsolete yeah. in the sense, right? And so we were trying to do a few things, especially as you know, we we started to lev- we wanted to leverage this multi-cloud world. And what we came to realize was that if you have this big monolithic application, there is only so much you can do in this context of being cloud native and leveraging multi-cloud. So, so we had to go down and, and start to look at breaking down into microservices and you know start to make application a little bit more lightweight so that you can deal with that at microservice layer rather than you know the whole application at the same time and start to containerize it and, and things like that, which is a very different paradigm from what we were doing what five, six years ago. And one of the things I, I've been using, and it's kind of a funny conversation. So when you talk to customers or even think in, in our own context, you know, you can't call these applications legacy applications because they're not really legacy, yeah, right? yeah. You know, these monolithic applications. So I've got this interesting term, right? So legacy applications are what, what you had 20 years ago, those those uh, client server applications. And then, you know, cloud native application is the the word of today, right? You know, the, the applications we have today. You've got this kind of this middle set. And I think that this is the best way to describe them is the classic applications. So how do you really take these classic applications and, and start to really evolve into cloud native? I think that's probably going to be the, you know, that's going on in the industry today. And, and you know, there's a lot of action around it. And how do you really support that journey? And how do you go from monolith to, to microservices? I think is, is a trend I would say is, is in right now. What type of, are you building apps internally? Like what types of stuff are, is your team building internally for, you know, business processes and stuff like that? Yeah, so this is where I took a very different approach from what we did in my previous roles. And we, you know, one of the things, my lesson learned in life is that keep everything simple, right? You don't want to overcomplicate stuff and, you know, we can, Customize, and this is not a new thing, right? Every other IT practitioner would know that, you know, you don't want to customize a lot of things because it it comes back and and uh, hits you back pretty badly. So one of the one of the things we've used and we've been very successful around it so far in Rubric, is that we are keeping everything out of the box and we are keeping everything in cloud. So we are company born in clouds. So for all our IT applications, we have a simple concept that we are not going to put a single box in our data center that's going to run anything related to IT. Okay, so and and it's so far, you know, and we've been we're now almost uh, fifteen hundred employees company, right? And so far, it's working. It, so so that's kind of generally our our thinking there on internal applications. But having said that. We are doing some interesting stuff with applications, especially from the product side. And and you know, if you look at the the concept of a product, rubric is kind of formed on you know taking this backup of the data from the application. And then you know, as you really start to look at this data, there's an opportunity to build multiple applications on top, right? So we've got a, let's say recovery application, and you know, we've got this concept of Polaris, which is our SaaS platform, mm-hmm. lets you perform some actions. And one of the interesting use cases we've been using is to basically detect ransomware, mm-hmm. right? You know, so you could basically run some sort of a ML between you know the data you you 
got in your in your data center, and then you can run some interesting ML and detect whether there's a ransomware attack on your in your environment in your data. So I think that that's kind of the way we are looking at it. So a lot of focus on building applications on the product side, which really solve customer problems and keep IT really lightweight. Make sure that we leverage what we have on SaaS and and things like that. Yeah, it's a it's a really fascinating thing because I think you know the company is so new. You know, it was founded in two thousand fourteen, right? That so is I mean, correct. Yeah. You know, you're you're looking at a huge advantage. I mean, there's a lot of times where you know incumbent companies or bigger companies have a lot of advantage because for a bunch of different reasons. But this is one of those great use cases where it's like it's great to be this new because you can make those type of IT decisions. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, CIOs and IT leaders that are listening are like, man, I wish I could have done that. Does that feel like you have a real advantage there? Oh, I totally think so. And again, you know, I, this is not my first rodeo, right? I've been yeah. doing this for a while. And amount of time we are spending on real business conversations than figuring out why a particular stat didn't run and my performance on the database is not right and this query is slow, it's amazing, right? You know, I would say that by making sure that we don't customize by keeping you know processes out of the box by leveraging you know industry platforms and using SaaS for delivering all the work we want to do it's it's freed up a lot of my time to do better things with my time than just you know focusing on internal internal applications how do you see ai and machine learning playing into what you're working on a rubric yeah, so of course, you know, we are a data protection company, and if we don't have a play on AI ML, then that's not a software for tomorrow. So there is there are there are a bunch of interesting things going on on the product side, and you know, I, I mentioned to you about ransomware. That's you know, definitely there's a there's a machine learning component to that, and and there are a few other things which are in the hopper, which I'll probably not talk about right now, but we are also looking more from IT side and working very closely with our support organization on how do we really start to get better on supporting the installs we already got, right? Things like, can we be proactive in providing the support? Can we really start to analyze machine logs and, you know, get some intelligence out of it? You know, and so that's that's really uh, definitely we're working on as we speak. Then you have also on the sales side, can we start to look at We've got, you know, interesting, again, we are a growing company and we want to be very careful on how we deploy our headcount. So start to think about, you know, let's say if you want to help sales guys figure out what's the best way to deploy 50 new headcounts you're going to get. So we have some interesting models where we could look at and, and give that suggestion to our head of sales. And so we've, we've got some use cases like that we've been working on. It's been very well received within the company. Uh, but again, we are growing. We are small. We are still setting up our infrastructure. We are starting to collect the data. I spoke earlier about how we are setting up a, a single a data lake and data warehouse for all our product customer and business intelligence data. I think that it's going to set us up really well to be really mature IML shop as we go forward. Final question before we get into the lightning round. What are you most excited about in terms of technology, data, or IT that is coming like right around the corner? You know, 
again, I have to go back. I would say that it, there are two or three things which have defined our, you know, our generation, right? Internet, mobile, right? I would say that AI is going to be the, the next big thing. You know, it's going to define a generation. I think we're just testing what it's going to do right now, but there is a lot more to come and there's a lot more potential. And, you know, there, there are things like where people talk about, you know, we should be worried about AI. AI is going to replace our jobs. And I, you know, I, I'm not so I'm not so sure about that. I think that, you know, what I'm starting to see is that even within our context of business, there are so many advantages of just doing some basic intelligence stuff out of data you're gathering and start to make some intelligent guesses out of it that there is a lot more to come. So to answer your question, I would say that I'm very excited about AI. I think we can do a lot with that. I also feel that this is going to change a generation. Like my kid, my nine-year-old kid, you know, when he was born, he already had iPhone in his hand, yeah, exactly. right? So every time he sees the TV, he tries to swap the screen yeah. to make it yeah. make it work. So I think swiping that, uh, magazines and exactly yeah. right. So my 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 sense is that the next generation is is going to have something like that's dependent on AI, and they're they're going to want to do similar to what you know kids today's uh, today's kids are trying to do with the swiping screens. Let's get into lightning rounds. These questions are fast and easy, just like the lighting platform from Salesforce. Fast and easy questions coming at you. Thanks to our friends at the lighting platform by Salesforce. Are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Angry Birds. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, man, I remember when that first came out and I was in the army and every single person like every single person when we'd get back after training or whatever would be sitting on playing angry birds that tells you how old i am so <laughs> <laughs> favorite time saving tool um i would say auto predictor on google i love it gmail that's so great when it says i've said this before on the show but when it predicts like a whole paragraph for you and you're like man do i say that that much <laughs> what's your favorite one day getaway in the bay area one day getaway in Bay Area, Carmel Beach. Carmel's great. We did a story on Clint Eastwood, and I didn't realize that he used to be the mayor yeah. of Carmel. Yeah, totally random. Favorite use of AI or chatbots? You oh, I love those uh, those bots on on Slack. I think that they're super cool and you know help significantly. So we have a, um, our head of growth does these a bunch. Who's basically our head of IT as well. Hybrid marketing and IT. That should be its own podcast. But yeah, he makes all these great bots. And uh, one of them is uh, is Toasty, who's a golden doodle who you might have seen running around here. But uh, he's at the studio. He's our mascot. And so Toasty Bot like messages me all the time. It's pretty good. <laughs> Favorite team, sports or otherwise? Favorite team, sports. Um, I still love cricket. I, yeah. grew up, I grew up in India, so you know I haven't gotten out of that yet. Love it. What do you do for fun here? I have two kids. 15 and nine and between working with them on homeworks and you know especially for a high schooler yeah. uh, and then between their sports and my both my kids actually play field hockey oh uh, that's fun and uh, you know so the amount of tournaments and practice and all that but I, I you know that's that's quite a bit of fun and I don't get time to do anything else right <laughs> best advice for a first-time CIO 
Best advice for CIO, first-time CIO, again, I would say that keep your environment simple. You know, if you have a lot of legacy, then there's a way to get out and start to really look at cloud-only applications going forward and clean up your your legacy as you go would be the best advice I can give. And I know it's sometimes difficult to fight against the pressure from businesses to customize the applications, but my experience is that fight's very well worth it. That's it. That's it for Lightning Round. Thanks to our friends again at the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Fast and easy, just like those questions. That's it. That's all we got. Anything else for us? Anything uh, to plug? Oh, you're on Twitter, right? I, I am on Twitter, yeah. What's your Twitter handle for our audience? A-S-P-U-R-I. A-S-P-U-R-I. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes. And yeah, it was just great having you here. Great. Thank you. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps.